Hey, James here. Before we get started this week, I wanted to talk to you about our friends at the Good Taste Podcast. Do you want to have good taste? If so, then we have the podcast for you. The new podcast, Good Taste, features hosts Jacob and Taylor as your pod docents, discussing their favorite parts of culture ranging from TV, music, and movies to sports, apps, and food. They also discuss listener suggestions and go over the hottest news in pop culture. The show is guaranteed to make you the coolest person at the office. Listen in every other Friday wherever podcasts are found. Get good taste now. Figure out how to make it while I was online. Oh, <laughs> so that's why I messaged you because I like was I figured like he thinks I'm not not here. Okay. <laughs> just send me calls. Figure it out at some point. We'll, we'll just need to issue another update. So. Yeah. Um, so, not like a technologically proficient person, I guess. I always figure like whenever like the iPhone has a new update, I'm like okay. They're just gonna release another update, and that's gonna fix it. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So we haven't done this in a couple weeks. So. Yeah, we got we had a, a break for a bit. Yeah, it's the hectic holidays. It it is a hectic month. <laughs> I think for everyone. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. We're we're back into it. Yeah. How did all your finals go? Uh, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, you know, like they they went fine. Okay. A lot, just a lot of papers. I feel that. Yeah. Um, and they're over, which is great. It was just a lot of like sludging through it. I completely get that. Um, okay. Cool. So, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, I watched it for the first time in my life a few days ago <laughs> for for this. Okay. Uh, what did you think of it? It was okay. <laughs> it, was, it was okay. I didn't... Um, I, I saw the Broadway musical a few years ago, and that was another one that I thought was like the stuff that was good was good, but it didn't, you know, like change my life. Right. <laughs> I, I saw it with a friend who I think was a little sad that it didn't change my life. Like she kept looking at me afterwards and she was like, wasn't that the best thing you've ever seen? Uh, I was like, yeah, it, it was good. That's one of those things that like Phantom like is such a huge thing for so many people. And like, especially yeah. like theater geeks and things like that. And like, I've kind of come to learn that, like, if you're doing something, like, if you're bringing someone that, like, could be into it or, like, is into it into something a little bit, like a concert or a show or something or, like, even a movie, you know, 
it ruins mm-hmm. your own enjoyment of it because you're just kind of like, are you liking it? What did you think? You know, and like, so- I yeah, like to be fair, I do the exact same thing. Like, I think I showed a friend like a movie that I really love, and she told me she was bored, and it broke my heart. <laughs> I was like, that's part that movie. If you don't love that movie, you don't love me, which isn't fair. But like, I take it personally, so I get it. Like in her defense. Earlier this week, I brought a friend. It didn't, it didn't do that much for me. Earlier this week, mm-hmm. I brought a friend to um, uh, to see LCD Sound System, and like we were just kind of like standing there, and like he knew a little LCD Sound System, but I'm like into it, jamming out, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I hope he's liking this, and like throughout the show, I was kind of like a little like distant, but like when they did their last song, he like threw his arm around me because that was the one he knew. So I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. That's <laughs> this makes up for it a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I've never seen the Broadway <laughs> version of Phantom. So. Okay. But I, you're more familiar with the movie? I'm only familiar with the movie. Because even like okay. I, I've listened to the Broadway cast album, or I guess it would be the West End cast album. I don't know if there's. Okay. Um, but I've listened to it, but I kind of prefer the movie soundtrack, which is, like, blasphemy, but... Yeah, they, I, I think that's... I mean, I'm not that familiar with, like, one cast album over the other for this particular show, but, like, I think that's fine. Sometimes the movie soundtrack is preferable. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think there should be a law that the... Right, no. It's the just... stage version is better. It's snobbery, <laughs> what well, that's, people say. that's what it all is, is it's all, like... Yeah. It, like, I get that way if someone's like, I like the movie version of Rent better than the stage show, and I'm like, the stage show's better. Yeah, I I do not like the movie version of Rent. I don't love the stage version of Rent, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> whole other <laughs> A whole other thing. Um, it has its problems, <laughs> but I really enjoy it. Um, Me too. <laughs> like... <laughs> I wouldn't feel strongly about it if I hadn't, like, watched it a million times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's what – I always kind of think the weird thing about the musical is, like, I have a lot of friends who have seen the musical on Broadway and, like, people that, mm-hmm. to the best of my knowledge, had never seen the movie. And they're not theater people either. Like, you know, friends of mine that are, like, more into, like, sports and, like – they you could go to a musical and enjoy it, but it's not something that, you know, they would never identify themselves as, like, a fan of musicals. But okay. I had friends that, like, would yeah, go... Yeah, it's like, it's my friends, too. Yeah, and I would go, uh, like, they would tell me, like, oh, I went to see Phantom, and I, I loved it. And I was like, really? It's, like, opera, <laughs> and, like, you know, it's it's kind of a heavy plot line to sort of get into. Yeah, also... It kind of surprises me, like, how big it is in the world. It's yeah. people who don't like musicals like fandom, which is surprising because it's so much to take in. And, like, it's because it's one of the, you know, like, one of the big, like, right. top five ones. People aren't really familiar with it. And fandom is, like, I it's too much for me even sometimes. <laughs> like, it's just... I, like, because a lot of people, like, can't really get behind the, like, not much dialogue thing. Right. And the, the, that's understandable. Like, it takes some getting used to. Like, I'm surprised this 
show like connected with so many people enough to be still running now. Well, I think a certain appeal to it too is like the the title song, the fan of the opera is it's poppy. You know, it's it's operatic, but like that, it's sort yes. of like that. But like also, you know, it's a little macabre. It's a little dark. You know, and it's like a perfect thing where like if you're like a 14 year old kid that's like into like that's like super like emo and dark and you're like oh I want to like wear my Jack Skellington hoodie all the time you know there you know oh for sure yeah (laughs) this will kind of like do something for you where like you know there's something cool in like the half mask and things like that and I think that's I think that's why it keeps appealing to younger generations. I don't totally get why it was a hit when it first came out, but. Yeah, I mean, no, that makes sense. Because I feel like there's always some kind of, this is weird, but I think there's always a musical with young people in a weird way. (laughs) Like, you could say, like, Sweeney Todd is for, like, the dark emo kids who, like, hate the world. But it didn't really become that. It was, it was Phantom. I think it was like Phantom and maybe like Avenue. Uh, I don't, I I don't know about Avenue Q though, like, just because it doesn't have like. I mean, like connect with people who are like very cynical. Is what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Phantom ended up kind of winning out over Les Mis is just because it is dark, where Les Mis is a historical thing. I mean, I mean, Les Mis is super dark. It is. But in a different way. Right. It's <laughs> it's, not, it's not Les Mis is about, like, like the sadness of, like, hundreds of people, and right. Phantom is about, like, one super sad dude. <laughs> right. So, like, that depends on, like, how you want to connect with it. Right. But, um, but, yeah, I know what you mean. Lamez is more like punk rock, in my opinion, and uh, Phantom is more like goth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I see that. What was I about to say? So, okay, so this being your first time watching the movie and kind of having the Broadway musical to go off of, how did mm-hmm. they compare, sort of? For you. So what did you say? It, it cut off at the last sentence. How did they compare for you? See, that, it was one of those things where, like, I don't think the movie changed a lot that I remember. Probably just kind of seemed like they just wanted to film the Broadway music. I mean, the only things they did was... Um, you know, make it more cinematic. Like, made it, like, a little more epic to look at. And, like, I, it's hard to compare them because I don't really remember, like, such distinct differences. Okay. It, I, I mean, maybe it was, like, pretty faithful to the Broadway musical. Is that right? I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I kind of went into it. I was surprised because I didn't, like, you know, love it or hate it. Like, I right. thought it was fine. But it got really bad reviews. Right. People got hated it. Hands. 
it got really bad reviews, and that kind of surprised me because I didn't, I didn't think so many people would hate it so much. Yeah, and I think, I, I do think it's been kind of held on to a little bit, though, where like it's one of those movies that was panned and like, you know, a, it's still kind of critically ignored but a lot of people still really enjoy it yeah it kind of i think it has developed like a cult following um but i'm just i'm surprised it got so many bad reviews because i don't know because it's so similar to the broadway show then like why is the broadway show so successful (laughs) it just does i mean so probably like some phantom head who's like wants to scream at me like there are so many differences and they fucked it up. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't have a bone picking that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's one of those things that like I guess when this came out, it was two thousand four, right? Yeah. Musicals weren't really like musicals had like their mini revival recently, I think, with like La La Land and uh Les Mis <laughs> and things like that. And maybe that's part of the reason why this was kind of panned at that time, just because it's easy for them to sort of say like Oh, you know, it's a musical, it sucks, whatever. You know, there's trends. Yeah, it's also, it's hard, I think, to make a movie musical, um, you know, after a certain year that, like, is critically acclaimed. Right. I don't, I feel like, because a lot of people just don't like musical, movie musicals, because they're movie musicals, they just, regardless of, like, content or, like, how good the songs are or whatever. Um, So, I think, I, they're... There is like a lot of demand for them anymore, especially in the early two thousands. Um, that's why La La Land was all about how like fake movies are, I guess, because <laughs> that's the only way people could be like, "All right, I can get behind this." Yeah, um, that makes sense. Um, Even though I don't, I mean, I don't think that's fair necessarily, but. Um, I guess it's just the mindset that people go into it with. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where, like, movie musicals will never die because there is an audience for them. And I think even people that... Yeah. People that hate movie musicals usually have, like, that one that gets them. Yeah, that's true. I have a friend who hates musicals, but he, like, knows The Lion King, like, forward and backward. (laughs) Right, and that's sort of, like, it's one of those things where, like, I don't, uh, maybe this is just me, but I don't necessarily think of The Lion King as a musical, even though it is. Well, why? It, I mean, it is. Uh, right. Guess, <laughs> it very much is. I don't know. I, I guess... Is it because it's, like, famous as a movie? That might like, be it. If it didn't have the songs, it would still be, like, one of the biggest Disney movies ever made. That's probably it. Because maybe it's... Uh, I guess, well, this makes... Well, because Disney musicals are a subgenre of movie musicals. So, like, 
I guess when That's I think true. when I think of Disney movies, I think of Disney movies as their own genre of movies. Yeah, that's oh, they're so smart. The, the way they market them, <laughs> the way they branded themselves—they're so smart that they could they could make movie musicals so similarly to the way any other movie musicals made, and it, people are like, "Oh, that doesn't count. It's Disney. Like that's just like a different." genre it's not even a brand it's just a genre unto itself yeah um, and i'm still so thinking about like songs uh, songs from disney movies that like they're all musicals and they're big musical numbers it's not like a soundtrack thing you know where i'm thinking like oh uh, mm-hmm. like i'm thinking like i'll make a man out of you from mulan and i'm like okay that's not a it's uh, mulan's not a musical or like, um, or uh, Hell's Fire from Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I'm like, it's not a musical; it's just a song in it. But yeah, that's, but I'm also I think that's because Mulan and Hunchback only have like a couple of yeah. great memorable memorable songs, so people forget that there are other songs. But even like Lion movies. King, that has like these iconic songs and like songs that I love in it, like. I love Be Prepared, like, with all my heart. Um, and yeah. it's not, to me, I'm still thinking, like, not a musical. Even though I That's know so that it is. I guess because, I guess because Disney just, like, makes itself, like, because a Disney musical is not the same thing as a musical. Like, it's just a different uh, way of looking at it. It's so weird. I guess it's. Also, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I guess maybe it's also just the fact that like it's animated. That's true. That probably like throws me off. It throws me. Yeah, off. I, I guess like people are more people are more accepting of musicals when it's animated. Yeah. <laughs> I, like people who don't care for like people singing, like they're they're a little bit more taken aback when it's real life people. Yeah. And I think just because it seems unnatural, you know, just in when it's when it's non-diegetic, you know, you're sel- you're aware that like everything is weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of like, I guess that is what happens in Phantom too, in that stylistically all the songs fit and work. Um, yeah. Within like a style but i guess there's the part of people that can't buy into like oh they're singing opera like even when they're talking about business i phantom i I think it's one of the musicals where like because there are some musicals where you can you can read it as like well they're singing but it's kind of like in their head like it's just right it, it's not, they're not literally singing. I feel like Phantom, they're literally singing the whole time. Like, it's, it's not all just, like, them thinking their thoughts and, like, having it come out in song. Like, I, they're, I think in this world, they would all be singing to each other at all times. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I accept it <laughs> the way it is in the world that it is built. But I could also see that as the reason people don't like it, because that, that whole concept is kind of, like, corny too it is it, yeah. it is super corny <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that makes sense even like i think even when they're they're um 
Oh God, there was one part where, you know, that like famous moment where they're like in the boat and they enter the lair and she's like hitting that high note the entire time and she's just holding it. I feel like they're literally doing that. But I also, I thought it was so kind of unintentionally funny, but sort of realistic. Like I think at the end of the high note, they just kind of stop and the music stops and he's just like, here it is, here it is, like, here's our, great, like, and there's kind of, like, a moment of silence where you're like, what, what am I supposed to do with this information? <laughs> I, I thought it was really funny. Yeah. It, uh, I, can't, I can't think of the moment off the top of my head, but I believe it. It's like an, it's like an unintentional moment. Like, I think as soon as she's done, like, hitting that note, he's just kind of, he just kind of looks at her like, well, <laughs> like, that's what do you it? think? <laughs> yeah, like, that's it. That's funny. Um, and then it goes into another song. Right. And it's all music. And I do think that Phantom has, I think the song, uh, here's a, th- a thing with like any like opera or operetta. Um, there are songs and then everything there's a lot of other things that are sung but they're not necessarily excuse me i wouldn't call them songs like right. um, to use rent as an example on the cast album all like the tune-ups or the voicemails and yeah. things like that which are sung but they're i wouldn't call those individual songs yeah they're like they're singles yeah. that are sung they're yeah. mini so, yeah so in Phantom, like, when it comes to something like Rent or, like, Les Mis, I tend to like a lot of those little segues mm-hmm. um, where I could listen to the little segue on its own, you know, over and over again. Phantom doesn't have those, in my opinion. Yeah, I think because in, in like, Les Mis and Rent, you can distinguish between them. Like, even though they're they're not um, full-length songs and they're just, like, snippets of dialogue or, or, like, a voicemail or whatever, you can, like, you can, they're memorable and you can point out which is which, but while Phantom, it just feels like they're speeding through they're like, oh, uh, there's, like, a sentence we have to say between this song, so let's just sing it. <laughs> and it's not, it doesn't feel like song. a song yeah. in itself. What was that? And uh, it feels like they're just trying to get to the next song. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's kind of an issue with the movie. Um, that it felt very like rushed because there was so there was so even though it's kind of long, there was like so much packed into it. Yeah, and especially with like the moments of dialogue, like brief dialogue between the songs, um, it just felt kind of like, like all right, we got to get to the next thing. <laughs> and, well, that's always kind of the issue too with adapting. A, a Broadway musical into a movie, I feel, just because yeah. when you go see something, when you go see something in a theater, you kind of, you know you make that agreement that you're going to be there for, like, three hours. At least. Right. Um, just because you know you're going to sit there, there'll be the 15, 20-minute intermission in the middle, and then you'll have to sit for another hour or so. Yeah. Where, mu- where like, movies, that's harder to convey and 
you know, you could make it one straight sit through. You could, it's a matter of trying to get everything in, but also get it in, in like two hours or less. Yeah. And I, I really respect people who have pulled that off very well. I'm like, like, I don't want to be too hard on movie musicals based on pre-existing Broadway musicals, even if they're not good. Like I, I, it's so hard to do and like knowing what to cut and what to make it like how to translate it to a completely medium for a new audience. Like that's so hard. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they completely fail and, but you know, it's 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 a difficult task. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at the runtime for this and it's, it's like two hours, 20 minutes where, uh, I'm gonna Google the Broadway runtime. Mm-hmm. Where, if you go see it on Broadway, it's two and a half hours with a 15 minute intermission. So they definitely got a lot in there, but yeah, it's one of those things where since it's a different medium, it's harder to like make it. it provide the same effect that seeing it on Broadway has. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why, um, like, even though I, I kind of like the movie version of Les Mis from a few years ago, I think part of the problem was that they didn't cut enough out. <laughs> like, they put all of it in. Yeah. Well, not all of it. They cut a little bit out, but like, but it's they so really long. squeezed yeah. it in to the movie. And I, think they were trying to do the source material justice but it didn't work because it's a movie it's not a broadway musical yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta kill things. some things <laughs> they also put a new song in too which yeah that really bothered me because they were just like looking for that oscar for well, best yeah. original song I, I think phantom even though the rough time was way too long i think phantom did that too where they were I think there's a song they sing in the graveyard or something or on the roof. That's... It's the, it's the song that um, that's over the end credits. I think. Oh, it's that. Okay, the one time Minnie Driver yeah, so actually sang. <laughs> that's that's I know. Like that's what they they did it smarter. They put in their own best original song, but yeah. they didn't put it in the movie. <laughs> they put it at the end of the movie. Like they they cheated, but. But it was smart. still counts, technicality. Yeah, and they got that, I think they got that Best Original Song nomination. Yeah, and I feel I feel like that's another thing that movie musicals adapted from Broadway shows try to do, where they're like, oh, we need a new song so that we could go for the Oscar nomination. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they don't get it, and then, like, the song usually doesn't fit or it's weird or yeah yeah um i i feel like what they should be doing is cutting things not adding things because musicals are just written to be longer that's just how they are or they could do the grease thing and just change it a little bit yeah (laughs) yeah that's true um because what's it called you're the one that i want isn't in the stage version of grease it's not? I think after the movie came out, they, it's been added to a lot because it's... Because that's, like, one of the most 
memorable songs like ever not just in that movie but it's uh, i just remember from doing grease in high school you're the one that i want wasn't the last song and like i remember everyone was talking about oh you're the one that i want is gonna be um uh, people are gonna be mad that you're the one that i want isn't it yeah wow that's so weird because I like, thought that song was around since the beginning. Oh, but it's similar. It's not like it's not like the last song is very different. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So music-wise, I guess. Mm-hmm. Smooth transition. Um. What it? <laughs> I guess. Well, going in when you first saw the Broadway musical, did you know the music at all? Or were you completely, like, blind to it? I knew, like, like lines from the music. I didn't know a okay. full song. I knew, like, like one epic line and or, like, one key change, and that's it. <laughs> like, I didn't really know um, full songs. Okay, so what's your opinion on... We kind of touched on this a little bit, but what's your opinion on the music in Phantom? In general, it's, see, like, it's not, I'm not a person who loves opera. Right. Particularly, like, I've just, it's not really a thing that I'm that familiar with or, like, want to get that familiar with, although I should. Um <laughs> you know, being cultured and whatever, no, but like, you, don't need to. you need to know like for, one, and that's it. <laughs> for, okay, that's, for what it, it for what it is like as somebody who's like just opera, like it's fine. Um, I I think I'm just used to being able to distinguish between some uh, songs, but like this whole like run. It was very slow. You know, like, I, I didn't, I didn't, like, really connect with any particular, like, songs or musical moments in particular. Right. And it's a slog if you can't get into the opera, either. Yeah, I think you have to, to, to enjoy this movie, like, you kind of have to get over the hump of, you know, that it's gonna sound like this the entire time. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, I think they did, uh, the singers do a good job in general. Even Gerard Butler, who, who, you know, like, he got some criticism. Like, he, I don't think he had ever sung before this movie. Like, not really. He was, like, in a band. So, just to throw opera. Yeah. Yeah, like, he didn't no musical or opera experience that I know of, um, so I, he did a good job, yeah. you know, all things considered. And the rest of them, you know, for all singers. Trained and things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, uh, I do think it's one... Uh, yeah. I do think the first time I watched this, I had trouble connecting with it for that reason, where I was like, I can't get past the fact that they're doing opera and, like, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Now that, like, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the thing that made me connect to it more was um, I used to listen to this metal band called Nightwish. And, like, Nightwish, like, 
have like a very operatic lead singer, but like she's singing over heavy metal, and they do a pretty good <laughs> cover of Phantom of the of the title song. Um, and like it's heavy and loud, and like you know, instead of like instead of like an organ or like strings going bum 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 bum, you know, you have an electric guitar going dun 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 dun, dun and. <laughs> It's, that sounds cool. <laughs> it's like, fun. It's like a fun little cover to like get into. Um, although when they have the bassist sing the Phantom part, it's not as good because um, he's not an opera singer. Um, he sounds fine, but um, okay, uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so I think that kind of got me past the hump, and then like you kind of, uh, it's one of those things where like. As I've gotten a little bit older, like, now I listen a little bit to classical music and, like, things inspired more by classical music. Not so much in my spare time, but if I'm, like, reading and things. And, like, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. But, like, you know, you kind of go back and realize that Andrew Lloyd Webber is writing pop songs. It's just... He's using the opera form to write pop songs. That's that's true. If you uh, altered some of the songs in Phantom slightly, it could be like a very standard pop ballad. Yeah, and but if you just the way you sing, like the way it's structured, like I, I mean, I'm, even though I'm, I don't know operas that well, but I, I feel like it. What makes opera is just the the notes they're hitting, right? Not necessarily the songs, right? And it's having you know, it's the instrumentation and things like that. And like, you know, I guess you know when you end up talking to people that like go to the opera and things like that. And like the couple of times I've tried to like get into operas, you know, you listen and like there are no operas written in English. They're all in French or Italian. Um, some mm-hmm. are in like Spanish and I guess they're probably in any language, but like, you know, they're rarely ever in English. And like, you know, this is a more digestible opera to take than watching something like Pagliacci, which is all in Italian. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, what are they saying? Like, <laughs> it sounds like these people are all very talented, but I don't know what's going on. Yeah, this is this is an opera for Americans who don't like opera that much. Well, <laughs> yeah. And English people <laughs> don't like Yeah. <laughs> no, America's the only country that speaks English in the world. Um, but yeah, and in that sense, I do think the songs are pretty good and kind of stick and I think that that's why the title song has become it's becomes one of those things that like people know yeah um because even like I think of um the SNL skit where it was all the different Broadway characters trying to save Broadway like you know when the chandelier falls and the organ part plays you know you get it sort of i think i think like mm-hmm. that could play to it's that sting that organ yeah. moment everyone knows that organ yeah um 
Which, by the way, was the best part of the Broadway musical was the chandelier falling That's because they had chandelier and they like I don't know how they did it, but they pulled it so that it went like fairly close to the audience and it was like whoa that's what <laughs> that's like that's like the main reason i want to see it on broadway is just so that i can have that yeah, that, moment that's the only like i i enjoyed it fine but like that was the only moment where i was just like yes <laughs> i love that <laughs> um it's just the lamp <laughs> that's what everyone's told me like that's what like the friends that aren't into theater have told me they're like oh yeah you have to like the chandelier fall is incredible and i'm like okay cool I, I, it's like one of those moments where the audience is just like ooh, like all at once right. <laughs> uh yeah that's what i got it i'll go one of these days tickets are relatively cheap probably them, right yeah yeah, there are ways. There are always ways yeah. to find it. You'll find it before, like, Hamilton. What? <laughs> You'll find it before you find Hamilton. I know. Like, cheap random tickets. Yeah. Uh, I need to start re-entering the lottery again. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, and, yeah. I don't know, Phantom's cool. And I think, like, songs like All I Ask of You are, like, nice little things. Um, I always really liked Point of No Return, though, just because it's this big, dramatic, emotional number. And I think, even though that's something that I would qualify as not really a song, I think the emotional kind of catharsis of it, where Gerard Butler is screaming, it, like, it's effective. Yeah, and... I think part of that might be Gerard Butler's performance. Like, I was weirdly impressed by him, because I think he, even though he's, like, not, you know, classically trained or whatever, he made it so that the character was, all of his singing was, like, out of his gut. (laughs) It was was just, like, intense acting and screaming. But he, he sold it really well. Yeah, he gave it his all, even though he couldn't sing it necessarily. No, but I was, but I was, oh... I, I never, I never, it never took me out of it because I never felt like, oh, he sounds bad. He sounds, he doesn't sound like a singer compared to everyone else. Like it just sounded like he was, you know, performing a dramatic monologue, but like to a tune. It's one of those cases where like he's, where like even though he's not a good singer, since he's a good actor, he's able to sort of pour enough of a performance into it that's that, like, makes up for the fact that he can't really sing. Yeah, and I think that's a better choice in casting than casting someone who's a great singer and not much of a performer. Yeah. Because... So. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that came up with uh, Anne Hathaway in Les Mis, where, like, when she was singing I Dreamed a Dream, she didn't sound very good, but it was dramatic and it was effective. Yeah, and and she didn't, I think part of that was probably, like, her not sounding good was part of the character, kind of, where she's dying, it's it's real, and it's raw, and it's from her. (laughs) Yeah, and that's one of the things where it brings up the difference in medium, where, like, if you went to a Broadway show and the guy couldn't sing, it wouldn't have the same effect necessarily, just because... 
you're not necessarily just going to see the performance. You're not necessarily going to see like a good dramatic performance. You also want it to sound good because you could be seated in the back of the audience and you can't really tell. But if you hear someone singing well and they can convey those emotions properly, it works. Because I've never, I've never gone to like a professional production or like Broadway show and thought someone like shouldn't be there because they're not a great singer. Like I, I thought some people weren't great actors, and, um, but that's, but I've, I've never thought like, uh, like they can't, but like they, that's like number one priority. But with movies, different. Yeah, I don't. I think the only one I've ever had that for is when I saw. Billy Joe and American Idiot. Um, oh, well, I did not see that. <laughs> I, I saw it a couple of times because I'm a big Green Day fan. But um, <laughs> he's sort of, it wasn't so much that he's a bad singer because he's a pretty good singer with what he does. And like they're his own songs, so we can't really screw them up. But like sometimes if he was doing a duet with someone, it like clashed. Okay. Like, there, there are videos floating around of Vanessa Hudgens was briefly of yes. Mimi and Red on Broadway. It's not very good, but it's, you know, doing her best. Yeah. Her fault. She was trained to sing out of her nose. <laughs> it was Disney. Right. And that's the thing where, like, when you, like, when you put, like, a pop singer into like a Broadway show, it can, it has that potential to clash just because they're not necessarily trained to do the same sort of singing that someone on Broadway is trained to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's not necessarily like their fault or that they're not good. It's just like not, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like it, it's just a clash in style. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anyone else. I saw I saw How to Succeed in Business twice, once with Daniel Radcliffe and once with Nick Jonas. And I saw it with Nick Jonas. <laughs> I was, like, impressed with Nick Jonas because Nick Jonas is a very good singer. Um, yeah. But I didn't think he was a very good actor. Um, where Daniel Radcliffe wasn't as good of a singer, but he played the part more when he was doing it. Yeah, that's no, that's true. I mean, I didn't see Daniel Radcliffe, but I saw Nick Jonas in How to Succeed in Business, and he was a good singer, which wasn't surprising. But like, he, he his charisma, you know. Yeah. I think he was like, I think he was like nineteen when he did it. Like he he was really thrown into it. He he was leaving the Jonas Brothers. He was too cool. He gra- he was too cool, so he went on Broadway. <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember it was all, I chopped it up to him being, because I saw it at a matinee, so I was like, oh, maybe that's it. Oh, no, no, I saw, I saw it, um, in a packed theater full of, uh, 12-year-old girls, and the second, I think he enters on, on like, a swing, like, I think he enters in, like, a harness, and 
I think they not only did they scream very loud, but they screamed for a long period of time where he had to just kind of wait for it to stop <laughs> to start singing. And it was just like sitting in this harness. That was funny. I had that over the summer with um, Brennan Yuri from Panic at the Disco when he was in Kinky Boots. Um, really? Oh, that's that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Panic at the Disco has been like the weirdest shower of my age. <laughs> just because even like I remember once I was like at a restaurant and there was like a 16 year old in a panic at the disco hoodie and I'm like you were six when that album came out I was like into it when the first album came out but when oh you're gonna be one of those old people <laughs> I'm gonna be the person that I'm like you don't even know panic at the disco I've been there since the beginning <laughs> but um when he came out in kinky boots like have you seen kinky boots Yes, I have, but not with him. Uh, you know, ha- uh, he was, like, the leading male. So, like, when he comes yeah. out, it's, like, at the end of the first song, I think, and, like, he, like, sings, like, I don't even think he sings a line. I think he comes out, he says one thing, and then, like, the play start. Then, like, it gets moving. And, like, I was, like, way in the back, and, like, I just heard, like, a scream. There was a spotlight on him, and I'm like, oh, that's Brendan Yerke. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was also speaking with an English accent, and I'm like, this is weird. Oh, man. Yeah, people love that. I mean, to be fair, I, I saw Cinderella for Fran Drescher. <laughs> like, that's just me. Like, I probably wouldn't have, like, sought out those tickets had it not been for Fran Drescher, but I love her. I, like, waited at the stage door to say oh, hi. <laughs> I can't blame me for that. I, I did that with Daniel Radcliffe and with Billy Joe, so... Oh, I saw I saw Michael Sarah in a play, and we waited for. Oh, yeah, he's um, in something. Yeah, he was in. Oh fuck! This is our youth. That's what it was called. Right, right. And we waited for a while, and he finally came out, and we were like, "Can we take a picture with you?" And he goes, "You can take pictures, but I'm just gonna keep walking this way. Is that okay?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> fine." That's really funny. That's yeah. like sassy, man. He's he's a sassy man, I guess. Um, now that Amy Schumer's doing a play on Broadway, I'm thinking about going. She to see is. It. Yeah, she. It's called um, Meteor Shower. It's called Meteor Shower. I think Steve Martin wrote it or directed it. Huh. I no I, no idea. It's running. We should look into this. It's running through like the end of January, I think. Um. But since I work in Times Square, I'm always hoping now that I, like, bump into Amy Schumer outside my, like, when I'm walking around on my lunch break. Um, her and Bruce Springsteen are the two that I'm hoping that, like, one day I'm just going to, like, pass by and see them. I still do that when I'm in Times Square, like, some heavily populated area of Manhattan. I'm always just, like, looking for celebrity. <laughs> My entire life, <laughs> like, I'm still because every once in a while I see one. <laughs> it's like Pokemon for me. <laughs> like I just, especially when I'm like when I was, I was, I um, like the NBC lot a week ago, swapping by it, and I was just kind of like, hey, <laughs> is Jimmy Fallon like leaving the building? <laughs> I still do that. I it's had so that once. Lame. I was walking by. Um... I was walking by Rockefeller Center um, 
on St. Patrick's Day, and, like, Seth Meyers was, like, filming something on the street. So, like, I went and I, like, gave him a fist bump, and I'm like, all right, have a good show. Um, But, like, I'm such a dork with celebrities, because, like, I don't want to, like, fanboy out, but I also want to be like, I appreciate what you do. (laughs) <laughs> me too but i'm i'm not very cool with celebrities I'm i've never like met one where i wasn't just like ah <laughs> i love what you do <laughs> um i had it recently do you know chris gethard yeah i love chris gethard um, chris gethard was at a show that i was at um recently and like he came out on stage before one of the bands and like he did like five minutes and then, like, right as the band came on and started playing, he, like, went back towards the bar in the balcony um, to, like, get a glass of water. So, <laughs> like, I was like, I don't care about this band. I'm going to go try to say hi to Chris Gethard. So, like... That was... Mm-hmm. So, like, he was the only one back there. And, like, he was, like, walking away. I tapped him on the shoulder. And I'm like, hey, I just wanted to say hi. And, like, I love career suicide. <laughs> He's so good. He actually... Um, he before he did like the show that he's doing he did like you know like a rough draft of the show he wanted to do at purchase like on a smaller venue and he said he actually said and we all like cheered at this that it was because like purchase is full of mentally ill people (laughs) we could connect to it and we were just like yes i think there was a point where he was like who's on zoloft and like 10 people were like yes but it was great um it was like nice and friendly and he was you know talking to people before and after the show and I think I was too shy like I stood like 20 feet away just like pretending to text and <laughs> kind of trying to say I never did I had but, that with John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats once um I think Chris Gethard mm-hmm. did do career uh, a rough draft of career suicide at New Paltz too but like I didn't I didn't go for whatever reason um I'm very excited i have tickets to his podcast taping soon. So I love his podcast, Beautiful Anonymous. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's good that I had to stop listening to it for a while because like it was too much. It was I, I like it sometimes. It's a listen, great podcast. I listen to it at work, and like when there's like the sad ones, I'm like, I can't do this. I I don't want to start crying <laughs> at my desk. <laughs> Same. But, yeah. Um, he's one... The first time I saw him, um, he, like... I always say if I ever call into Beautiful Anonymous, I'm bringing this up. Um, he, like, opened for a band that I was seeing, and, like, I had no idea who he was, but my friend was like, oh, he's great. You'll love him. And um, he was just like, oh, you know... I'm probably the oldest person here. I love the front bottoms. Things I know about front bottoms fans is you guys are all really emotional people, right? (laughs) And everyone's like, yeah. And then he's like, so I went to the dollar store down the street. And if you guys want to talk about your emotions, uh, you might get a prize. So like, he kind of like forego his whole, foregone his whole set. And he was just like, calling people up on stage to like tell stories from the past year. And then he'd like give them, he's like, okay, you win a chew toy. You get a bar of soap. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh oh my God. I love that. It was like a proto beautiful anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's so good. He's so nice. He's awesome. He's so um, one day I'm going to get on Beautiful Anonymous. That's my goal. I tried once, but I was like, like 20 minutes late. Like, on Instagram post. <laughs> uh, way past the time. I've had it where, like, his, like... Uh, I turned on tweet notifications because I really want to. Mm-hmm. So whenever he tweets, I get a notification about it. And I've gotten it where, like, I've gotten on hold before, but, like, it's always, like, an inconvenient time. So, like, I lose my connection. Yeah, I always see the post, like, right when I'm about to work. I'm like, what if I just stand outside and take my chances and tell him I'm not going to work? <laughs> I'm I'm thankful that like most of my day I work in a storage room, so like no one else is in there. So like, oh, okay. I, I could do everything while on the phone, but like he'll usually like tweet it like right as I get on the train at Grand Central, and I'm like, if I get through, I'm going to lose connection in like 15 minutes, and then gonna and then like I won't be able to get through again because by the time I have service again, it's gonna. Be gone. Someone else will have gotten it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris Gethard's great. He's the man. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder how he feels about Phantom of the Opera. Oh, true. <laughs> um, I think we touched on a lot from Phantom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. Anything else you want to throw in? Oh, no, no. I mean, I can't think of anything that we didn't already touch on. Yeah. Um, I think, I think overall, like I'm, I, what I want to say is I don't think it is as bad as the 30% on tomato and fly. I think it's, there are things about it that they do it pretty well and making movie musicals is pretty hard. I adore it. Like, I thought it was fun. 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Something like that. Like, I saw the number and I was like, really? Why? It does have a 7.3 on IMDb. So. What? It does have a 7.3 on IMDb. Oh. So. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Shows that there's a. I guess some people love it, some people hate it. Yeah. Um, do you think there'll ever be a Love Never Dies movie? I <laughs> well, Did you say I hope not? There wasn't, right? There never was one. I kind of hope not. Um, um, although I kind of hope so, so I could see how that goes. Um, I don't think But I feel like it would not be good. I think there's tapings of, like, the stage version. I don't. I don't think there's going to be a movie for Love Never Dies because I don't think there's enough of an audience for it to justify like pouring into pouring any money into that project. Like I think even people who like know Phantom, some people have never heard of it. Like they don't know that it exists. Yeah. And the people who have don't care for it. True. Yeah. <laughs> I think. It, I, I think maybe the we'll it'll be the see first if it becomes like a Hallmark movie in the next few years. Straight to DVD. Yeah. Or straight to video on demand. 21st yeah. Century. <laughs> I'm going to hit end. <laughs>
to guard you and to guide you. Say.